0: Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with, sometimes you have to get punched in the face, Jamesy. (laughs)
1: And I'll pass, Brando. (laughs) And anchored to the bottom, Brando. You gotta gotta be anchored, man. You You gotta be
0: solid. You know, last week's conversation about confidence in the water and you know, what it takes, you know, the the confident diver versus the over confident diver and the not confident diver. I had a really fun conversation there with, with you there, Brando, last week.
1: Yeah. I mean we this is stuff we talk about often, especially after you know, being with students or other divers that exhibit that full range of of confidence and of you know, of the three you just mentioned, only one is truthful. Only one's real, <laughs> right? They're, the overconfident isn't; they're lying to themselves. The underconfident isn't; they're lying to themselves. Not, not purposely. I don't want to say they're. You sure, know, I, being I, a I dick get about where you're it. going. Yeah.
0: there's a way of accepting the the truth. truth. Yeah. And like or life, I, I would say just like, like life, yeah. Accepting the reality of, right. of where you're at, I guess, is, is even...
1: Yeah, which takes... We go back to, you know, Socrates and Plato and know yourself, man. Know thyself. Just those two words that over over the uh, Lyceum, I think it was where it was at, which... Know thyself. It was in in Greek or Latin, but... You get it. I, I can make up. a... am telling you, no one There is no
0: other goddamn school <laughs> podcast out there that talks <laughs> as much about Plato and Socrates. Well, I love.
1: I mean, our our Western world is based on that philosophy. At least it used to be when it was uh, anchored in sanity. Um, and you, you, I mean, it'll come back around because you take that brief that brief little trip <laughs> to the insane world where you. You uh, unanchor yourself to any real values or even knowing what reality is. And then you come back and go, well, we have to have an anchor of reality. And that's where the know thyself comes from is you've got to have the truth. There is one truth. Your truth and my truth are not truth, okay?
0: <laughs> there is truth. <laughs> Somewhere in there. And There's no Who has the truth? Mm. A good instructor who's watching it all play out.
1: He's got the goddamn truth. He's, he's got the truth. <laughs> instructor uh, us Maximus. got your view,
0: <laughs> your view through your mask. Yeah. Your buddy's got their view for, through their mask. Yeah. And I've got the real truth. Bingo.
1: In front of me. Damn skippy, I mean. Damn skippy. Fucking skippy. Should I say you know, damn skippy or fucking skippy? I'm trying to get a catchphrase. Because I think a catchphrase, like, in a movie, people hook—it's called a catchphrase for a reason. They catch on to it. They, they hook onto it. They catch it. And they don't want to let it go. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, get to the chopper now. Come with me if you want to live. There's a, I mean, Arnold's got the secret of the catchphrase down. Some James Bond movies, of course, got him. I mean, the, the Great Die podcast needs—I mean, Don't Touch My Fucking Shit is a good one. It's not bad. Mean it's up there. Well, we uh,
0: we we should you know re-release. That's a good point. We should re-release the "Don't Touch My Fucking Shit" stickers.
1: If you want you to know, live, let's add a let's know, add our uh, Arnold Dive podcast. In
0: there. <laughs> send us uh, send us an email info at the Great Dive Podcast if you want your five dollar sticker pack of "Don't Touch My Fucking Shit" stickers. You know, Brando f- for divers that lack of confidence and not knowing themselves and not really being. At peace in the water is is what leads to, ultimately, one of these main diving issues, which is panic.
1: Fucking panic, man! It'll get you if you don't know yourself. If you don't do not know thyself, your world can
0: spin out of control. If if you don't have control of yourself, if you lack self confidence. And you're constantly questioning what's going on. You haven't been Mm -hmm. shown a way to build that confidence properly. Yeah, I mean, it can easily lead to a panic situation.
1: Right. I mean, and whether you're overconfident or underconfident. I mean, I think the real uh, strong person in this situation is the person who does know them
0: themselves. In many surveys over the last number of decades... There's always been a, a, a consistent finding in a lot of the accidents that occur. And even though we're scuba diving and you, and you do something, you know, like a, a rescue diver class to, to get better at dealing with problems in the water, what we find is that the reality of the scenarios and the situations that you have to deal with are really occurring even, I mean, at the surface is where you're dealing with something like this or, or very shallow water leading to the surface. Is where most of these accidents are taking place?
1: I would believe that i definitely uh, envision the panic and I mean, in our experience, we've kind of seen that happen as well,
0: and a lot of the accidents that occur and and unfortunately, a lot of the divers who've died in accidents like this over the years were found in ways that would puzzle the the, the normal diver when you look at they've got plenty of gas yeah all their weight is still on
1: well because it it comes down to perception, not reality in their mind they they perceive themselves in a uh, predicament that they could not get out of with a deadly outcome or or hurtful outcome at the least but so they f- if they perceive themselves in a bad situation,
0: panic ensues, whether they are right. Right, whether they are or not. And right. if it's the ability, or I should say, the inability to fully take control of yourself, your situation, your surroundings, your breathing, your mm-hmm. awareness, that allows you to have misinterpreted what's happening and it leads to the panic. And then the only thing that generally happens when somebody's panicking underwater is they want to get to the surface yeah. as fast as possible.
1: Yeah, panic is the beginning of the. Uh well it's a part of the snowball that becomes the avalanche you know that becomes the the giant snowball that rolls over you so yeah you think you think about it and 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 how of, how these situations um begin and and then grow rapidly uh it's all about perception and that perception usually is a misperception it's usually like you say they have enough gas they, their equipment isn't broken. They're, they're, it's a misperception. It's, uh, it's basically you lied to yourself. You're lying to yourself.
0: When you lose control of your breathing and yeah. you're spiking that CO2 and it's poisoning your brain, it's, <laughs> it's easy to, to lie to yourself or it's yeah. easy to misinterpret of, of what's going on.
1: Well, you're not thinking clearly. and That's uh, an effect of CO2. Right, I mean,
0: right, it's a big which one. is not the which is not the place to be mentally when you're underwater.
1: Oh yeah, well, you want to be fully in charge of your faculties. That's why narcosis is bad. That's why, and that's basically what you're you're experiencing when that CO two builds up too. Except with the CO two, not only comes the the mental narcosis, but also a physiological response to a buildup of CO2, which is not a comfortable feeling. It's that feeling I can't get enough gas. I need more gas because that CO2 triggers the respiration uh, urge, the urge to inhale and exhale more and
0: more. Panic, by definition, Brando, implies a loss of control. Fucking A. Damn skippy. It's the <laughs> fucking skippy. <laughs> it is it's the consequence of the perception by an individual that he is not in control of the situation in which he finds himself. And a loss of control is a most fearful stimulus. It is a most fearful stimulus. But, I mean,
1: isn't why you isn't that why you have a few cocktails so you lose a little control? I mean, that's, I mean, we also crave it. (laughs) I mean, you, you become less inhibited and inhibition is control. That's control of your behavior and your, your thoughts. Whereas people have a few cocktails, so they become less inhibited for that very reason. So there's a balance is what I'm getting at. Yeah.
0: You know, there was, you know, we talked about the (laughs) sea lab divers back in the day the cartoon and guys The, the ones the in the divers cartoon. from the, the divers from the second sea lab who at you know at the time were among the absolute best and most experienced divers in the world the kinds of events that they feared the most involved the loss of control for example being a co2 build up for which there was no warning sensor existed at all and uh, and uh, uh. what kind of sensor i mean <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, no, that's beep, uh beep. that's gi- that's the giant squid sensor <laughs> is attacking sea lab
1: yeah, totally different sense both claw you know that too can cause the co2 build up but uh well we talk about that a, a ton that buildup of co2 that's why we harp on technique and f- being fully in control of your your buoyancy When you're fighting buoyancy, when you have a poor technique of propulsion, you're working. You're working your ass off. When you're overweighted, you're working your ass off. When you're working your ass off underwater, CO2 buildup becomes exacerbated. And the deeper you are, the greater the effect. That's all there is to it. So it's simple. I mean, it's really simple. And they just just kind of backed up what we've been
0: preaching. We've been preaching. now, Now, these divers were experienced and very confident and competent divers in the day and their fear wasn't a a matter of like a buildup of co2 from working too hard or a lack of self-confidence in them it was more of a inside the lab you know we're sitting around and we don't realize the co2 is building up kind of a thing right but that's because underwater they did have a level of confidence
1: Well, everybody's got a level. I mean, was it an actual truthful level is the question.
0: In The Novice Diver, Brando, competence and self-confidence are challenged by the very strangeness of the equipment and the underwater environment that he, a land mammal, enters. Yet he must not afford himself, even momentarily, the luxury of a loss of self-control. He must develop the capability for maintaining a rational, calm outlook so that he can solve the minor problems which may confront him. Panic has been described as blind, unreasoning fear, and this lack of reasoning has been associated with incidents where the victim has repeatedly used an inappropriate response in an effort to save himself. An example might be the person who begins to feel uncomfortable and struggles with his arms and legs to keep his head out of the water. The hard struggling does result in keeping the head higher, but it also increases the workload and the body responds by increasing heart rate and respiration rate. Thus, the individual soon reaches a point where he cannot sustain this excessive workload and becomes exhausted. It is interesting to note that individuals can be expected to sustain near-maximal workload for periods of less than a minute, and that exhaustion can bring in additional psychological stress under which the person may not be able to perform another maneuver, such as ditching the weight belt or inflating a flotation device. Thus, an early recognition of stress and corrective responses becomes critical to evaluate the problem of panic, A fruitful start appears to be a consideration of the ways in which a diver, and here, let us concentrate on sport divers, develops competence and self-confidence in his ability to control the diving situation in which he has placed himself.
1: Sounds like a a little story or paper we might have written.
0: I like it. It is a bit of a paper that we might have written. We're going to go through uh, this little, little writing for the people because... You sounded Irish back then.
1: A wee bit of the paper we may have written, boy. Me and me lads written this paper, boy. Written, me and me lads got together I wrote the paper about confidence, competence.
0: But in a world where the training world. has gotten to the point where it, the the main program has gotten as quick as possible, as easy as possible. Yeah, it's hard to take the time to build confidence i mean it's i mean most instructors don't really have a choice you know they've got whatever three days or maybe if they're allowed to teach a really long class they've got you know six nights with a with a student but often it's even less than that you know a day or two a lot of times mm-hmm. and the, to, to there's so many skills that need to be taught you don't really have the time to build the confidence. It's either they have it or they don't. And hopefully, you know, they're not such a a burden to themselves that they freak you out. Uh, And hopefully they get the dives done and they get some more experience as they go and they slowly build that confidence, which often doesn't happen.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, you you just described the, the cancer of the scuba industry that motivated by... But Tell me, what would be the only motivation to make the class as easy and short as possible? What would be the the motivation for that? Revenge. Revenge. <laughs> hey, of course, you nailed it. <laughs> there's, I think, there's a lot of listeners here that will not know that that little that perfect response to that question, but <laughs> reply to that question. But uh, yes, revenge. <laughs>
0: No, I agree. It's it's, uh, it's money.
1: It's greed. Right, it's greed. Pure and simple. There's a balance. I I get it. You got to make money in this world and and but let's let's make honest money.
0: Let's now this document here though, Go ahead. Now I'm this sorry. document here though says this competence should be a function of training. Basic diving training prepares a novice diver with a fundamental underwater transportation capability. Competence in the use of equipment, much of it being bulky and we believe not well designed from a human engineering standpoint, is only the first step in the development of a skill in moving from land to the underwater environment. Competence in the underwater environment itself is the truly critical step
1: agreed and what can you add I mean, to that yeah
0: yeah i mean i mean this this is saying here that Learning to scuba dive essentially has nothing to do with all the goofy, silly equipment. It's a mindset, and the, the equipment doesn't really matter.
1: Well, to learn, I, I would, I would get a little more exacting in my my wording because I think equipment is important, but but to the large degree, to become competent at diving. Yes, it's a mindset. It learning the equipment like learning anything else in this world, you know, where we've had to adapt technology and and outside of our own bodies types of inventions to to get along in the world, we we learn that stuff pretty, you know, relatively easily. But to get comfortable and confident with it, you have to gain competence in the use of that equipment. So the equipment isn't the main issue. The equipment is the mindset of becoming competent with it, extremely competent with it. That's where the confidence comes from. I mean, it's a, it's a, a triangle where the, uh, you know that comfort comes from the confidence and the confidence comes from competence. So the only way to get competent is to train it, train the competency into you. You can't have it.
0: And, and you're saying that's not going to happen in my weekend class?
1: Well, it's going to be tough. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to get out here and, and you know, say any kind of absolutes like it can't be done. I, it can be done, it's very, very difficult. The thing about the fast food approach to scuba diving is it's two hours. It's two hours in a, a day for a weekend, it's not 10 hours you know it's right. if you're hardcore and you you did the book work and you're dedicated and you're in the moment i think you can learn scuba diving you can learn it the basic level in a weekend i think you can right right
0: it's it's difficult though because for most right. people you're right there is a there's a time restraint on the pool that most mm-hmm. shops and and yeah. structures are renting right they don't have well that goes to the money dude yeah, yeah. right right so it all it all costs Acquiring such competence involves a training problem. The water situation in which most training occurs, which is in a pool, is not sufficiently similar to the open water setting to allow for a simple generalization of skills. Most diving instructors have observed students whose successful performance in the pool is shattered by the reality of a leap into the unenclosed ocean. Even the more typical diving student who is able to jump off of a boat and successfully complete the important open water dive needs the competence and self-confidence building experience of frequent dives. A diving officer at Scripps Institute of Oceanography estimated that 8 to 10 dives is the break even point where novices become well enough adapted to be safe and effective divers. While it is manifestly impossible to establish an accurate requisite number, we believe this estimate is more appropriate to a selected population of divers and that 12 to 15 open water dives may be a bit more realistic as the number required before the average scuba diver is truly controlled and competent in both equipment and environment.
1: Which is a lot different. Those numbers don't coincide with the the open water course <laughs> requirements for open water certification. Am I right?
0: <laughs> well, I, this is kind of what, you know, uh, caught my attention when I was reading flipping that. through this article, right? I'm like, I go, you know, and, and we'll get to the publication date shortly, but I'm like, okay, so, you know, a little bit of a giveaway. This yeah. didn't come out last week. You know, th- this came out a long time ago. and Which implies... You know,
1: this is nothing the the stuff we're talking about is nothing new.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, we've known for decades that the new diver, if they're going to be a competent and safe diver, needs active, regular experience building, not just a day of open water dives or two days of open water dives. Yeah, And they're done for the rest of their life unless it's convenient because they're taking a family vacation to a tropical island and they want to get a couple dives in. Like, that's not experience building. And that's not any way to keep somebody competent. And then, you know, you take that diver who's been doing that program for five years and all of a sudden they see, uh, you know, something on social media and now they want to go do a 150-foot dive. I've been diving for five years. Yeah, on paper, it's, 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 they should have more than enough experience.
1: Yeah, but you, if you look at it, it's like, I've been diving for a week. When you count right. the hours. That's the you reality know, yeah.
0: of it. They say here that we feel that there are specific aspects of diver training that need careful consideration and strengthening to ensure this controlled diver. First of these aspects is the sequence of experiences and training to develop competence and confidence in equipment and the student's ability to use it requires more than the usual demonstration beside the pool. Clearing the mask on the pool bottom and doffing and donning, programming by logical step from simple to complex is absolutely essential. Agreed. Easily. <laughs> I mean, that's a, it. I mean, I mean, here, right here he's saying clearing your mask on the bottom of the pool is not sufficient to send you to the open water real-life world.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. And doing it once is not mastery. And and that's, I mean, we're, we're getting to the nitty-gritty of some of the points of contention with the mainstream open water course and other courses in the mainstream scuba industry. Whereas the, the requirements... To be checked off and get that little card that gives people that idea that they have everything down to go make a real dive so they have the idea because they have that certification card they are competent but when they get out there the confidence doesn't match the competence (laughs) is that making sense I mean they right. they don't have a comfortable feeling of getting in that water. You can watch them, yeah, and you got two types, right? You rarely get that third person who really really realizes, okay, I have this level of competence, and my confidence matches it, and maybe I need more work. Usually, you get the overconfident, like like l- drop me into two hundred feet of water. Let's rock and roll, baby!
0: Right? Why? Why are we wasting with this thirty foot <laughs> dive?
1: Exactly. And then you got the person who is willing to call call off a ten foot dive in in clear, beautiful, warm water because they're they're so nervous. So you're lacking that the matchup in many
0: cases. It, so is that not the job of of the instructor, really? It's, to ge- you know, it, it's a combination, In many ways is to, is to bring the reality to both of those yeah. divers, right? Build the confidence of the one who's lacking and, and check the confidence of it the is. one that's overwhelming.
1: It is. I'd agree it is. It's a huge, a huge responsibility of the instructor. But when the instructor's been told that that's all that's needed because the certifying agency in their standards say so. And in their their instructor development course said so. I mean when the standards and requirements for an instructor is a hundred dives, how much how much do you have to bring to the table that can really identify these issues with people? You've got a hundred dives. You know you know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah. We're we're getting back to the nitty gritty of what we say is there there's a, an issue in the scuba world why we're losing divers at such an alarming rate i don't mean losing necessarily having accidents i mean they they come in they get certified they may go on a dive or two and they say later i'm not doing this anymore uh so they leave and we we that's what i mean is we're losing divers at a right. alarming rate
0: right do you know Len Greenstone, by any chance?
1: Old Lenny.
0: You remember old Len <laughs> Greenstone? Lenny. From, he's
1: from Los Angeles. Well, hell
0: yeah, he is. And he, and he acts like it. An example of an effective program sequence that old Lenny used in his training program was at an early stage in the training, the student is required to breath hold and go to the bottom of the pool where he places colored discs in appropriate containers a simple task, which becomes more complex as the number of discs and the number of divers involved in teams increases. Oh. Kind of interesting, huh?
1: It's a, it's a good, it's a good uh, skill building, confidence building, and uh, enlightening exercise,
0: I believe. The tasks require more and more work, hence longer breath-holding time. When the student is comfortable in his ability to work underwater holding his breath, the next task is to inflate a safety vest using his breath. The safety vest is tied to a weighted can, and the task is considered a success when the can is lifted from the bottom by the vest. The student who has successfully held his breath and performed work underwater is now faced with the challenge of giving up a considerable amount of his precious air in order to complete the vest lift. The old vest lift. I like this exercise, kind of. I mean, kind of cool. Yeah. Do, do your do your whole job, and then get rid right of blow, your <laughs> get rid of all that air you have before you before you can come up. It's kind of yeah. cool, you yeah. know. And I'm sure, like the, at first, it's a really difficult, but it's a big confidence building,
1: right? When you do get it, you just keep working it and working it until you do have it.
0: I like it. Old Lenny said that uh, at first his students can't believe it being even possible that they could do this. But after a sequence of tries, he says, usually about eight times, not once, Brando. Eight times? You mean you don't have it
1: mastered after one time? <laughs>
0: With increasing confidence in his ability to blow air into the vest and have enough to return to the surface safely, his work is attended by success. The reward is a significant increase in self-confidence, reinforcing the completed act and setting the stage for the next requirement. Is it, with, step- is,
1: is it within standards, this little, this little uh, exercise?
0: Um, it's probably not in. The- <laughs> Which means it's outside um, of. Yeah. Warning. Um, (laughs) uh, The Great Dive podcast features unrehearsed banter between two dive buddies. Some of the things they say may be sarcastic or obtuse and could be taken out of context. Do not use this show in place of proper scuba education. We have to put our official
1: disclaimer. Damn fucking
0: Skippy. Damn it. Yeah. But he says that this step-by-step sequence of increasing demands and growing accomplishment is more efficient than the frequent examination elimination approach, which assumes already established competence or failure. Greenstone's use of many bright colors in the various exercises, such as different colored washers, adds a subtle touch by providing clear cues in a game-like manner.
1: That's a great approach, building a complexity level with the skill in other words you start start base basic and move into more complex instead of just you know the 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 same old silly very basic skill and once you've got that you get that level of confidence like you can do a very basic thing in reality the things that happen to you or the occurrences are not that simple they're much more
0: complex right which is where the 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 intensity and the effect of the training needs to grow with the diver. You know, sure, at first when they don't know anything, it's going to be a really slow matter of, okay, well, this is how you donate a regulator. This is how we share air step by step by step. But if that's the only way you've ever trained doing an air share and you have never experienced a realness of, okay, you're out of gas, you need to go get gas now and have it, Come out of nowhere, right? You haven't really trained that skill at all for when the day that it comes, it's going to be like, "What? Yeah. That's not how my
1: instructor did it." No, I, when my my mask got kicked off, it, it wasn't it wasn't you asked. Me I didn't kick my mask. off. I did not give permission <laughs> for my mask to be kicked off, or I did not give permission for the person to run out of gas. I didn't. We didn't set up across from each other. And I didn't swim say, okay. at each other. Right. <laughs> the reality of it is. In reality, your mask gets kicked off. In reality, people grab your regulator out of your mouth and panic ensues,
0: right? Right. And and this is where he's going. Like, this is how we get past this. Yeah. He's saying, in any good training situation, repetition of a task is important. But only if the repetition is designed with cues and rewards to lead the student into a response chain of increasing complexity and success. Repeating a task successfully a number of times should occasion an automaticity about the skill performed, so that the person need not concentrate so much on his attention on performing it.
1: It it becomes it flows through you. We say this all the time. It has to be overlearned to the point where you do it without thinking. That's the whole idea of the you know the zen yeah, stuff, right? That's the automaticity that he's talking about. Exactly, it comes without thinking, and and many of the The incidents you you read about or many of the circumstances you find yourself in underwater, A, they're not planned – Right, nobody's like. And when I say planned, it's not. It's not part of the dive. I didn't say you're, we're going to come down here, run out of gas. I didn't say we're going to have free flows. And uh, wait, get, wait,
0: didn't you say we were going to do embolisms <laughs> at uh, at forty two minutes? Exactly.
1: I mean, I didn't say the visibility was going to go to shit because you, you kick it all up and now we can't find each other or find our way back to the the upline. All that stuff is not like, hey, let's go, let's go fuck up this dive. That, doesn't right. get planned. What happens is it comes out of nowhere and if you're all you've got in your repertoire or in your toolbox is your instructor asking you to take your mask off and put it back on and that gets checked off and you get the handshake once, twice, I don't care if you did it a half a dozen times in your course. Not enough. It's not enough and it doesn't prepare you for the reality of mask gets kicked it falls off your head and sinks to the bottom, if there's a bottom,
0: right? Right, right. This is where the training needs to be real, real so that your skill becomes instinctual in you. Second nature isn't even good enough in the reality of, of, of a situation. It's got to be your instinct is to keep your breathing under control, yeah. maintain your buoyancy, and work through the problem.
1: Right, but in, in this world where we have to be nice to everybody and give everybody the card slash trophy, it doesn't prepare you for reality. Reality isn't always like a nice guy. Hey, I'll, I'll come on, give me your mask. Reality is not a nice guy. There's a good catch. Reality hey. is not a nice guy.
0: Oh, Write that down. Oh, hang on.
1: <laughs> Can be beautiful, reality, but he's not nice. And, and he, he doesn't care whether he's nice or not nice.
0: This, indeed, is the basis of complex learning. If a person had to concentrate on a basic motor task, such as walking, you know how to do that, Brando? You put one well, foot on the other, and you I know. shift your balance <laughs> to the forward foot, and you put the second foot forward. And then you, you know that, uh, that thing, walking?
1: I know people, man, that it's taking 95% of their faculties, their mental faculties,
0: to just walk down the street. Right, and then but then add in a complexity like guys Ask him. Ask him a question, <laughs> and then try to have a conversation. Oh, at
1: the same time. oh, we're having issues. Yeah, it's like that with anything, though. I mean, anything you've got to really focus on doing to do well, it it, it absorbs. It absorbs the damn uh, energy available, the, the focus ability available, or the mental energy available and we talked about this and last week with the pie chart and all that
0: well right, yeah like if you if you still have to walk thinking like that left foot right stay balanced okay shift weight right foot mm-hmm. stay balanced you're not going to be able to carry on a conversation you're not going to be able to notice that there's a train you right. know and you're, you're on walking, the tracks you're on the tracks <laughs> trying to walk across the, the track uh-huh. you're, you're, you're never going to be able to see that if That much of your brain is eaten up by the pie chart of just the physical tasks of stepping one foot in front of the other in order to walk. I concur. We take such automaticity of skills entirely too much for granted. While the term itself is somewhat questionable, the learning theorists, we may refer to such development as overlearning the learning that becomes established under conditions as close as possible to the circumstances under which the responses will be performed allows for generalization of these skills to the new situation. It's like you wrote this overlearning article.
1: <laughs> <right> <laughs> Many I mean, uh, everything there, this uh, article is detailing or addressing art, art, which amazes me. It's the basis for which we we kind of want to approach scuba training, which is you need to have a high enough level of competence. It's got to be so overlearned that the responses are without the the need to put a lot of mental energy into, and the actual art and skill and and activity of diving requires very little of your conscious effort. That it goes through you. You just you're doing it. You've learned it well enough that you. You do it, right? And I get it. In the beginning, you you should get a certification that allows you to, to learn. It's your license to learn. But I think the level of competence that we've assigned to certification is so low that that is at the very root of so many of our issues that we see in the scuba world, whether it's an actual incident underwater or it's the mass exodus out of the scuba world once they do get certified. They just give up on it and say, ah, it's no fun because I don't feel comfortable there.
0: Sure. The, uh, I mean, it, it could be anything. It'd be like uh, learning to play a guitar and you mm-hmm. learn how to strum your favorite song. And then you stand up in front of a group of people, right? And your uh, your uh, vo- yeah your your voice cracks once, uh-huh. your zippers down. Uh, somebody walks past you and bumps it uh, <laughs> bumps your guitar and detunes the E string. Uh, you know, you somebody's laughing at you. You, go, you suck, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you you all you've done is like in a very controlled area. You you memorized you know. A pattern of three or four chords, right. without the the input of the rest of the world coming at. Well, you had you had
1: the but you had the family. Okay, maybe you had your family, those who loved you, who are not going to hurt your feelings. And in guitar playing, they they can go about and lie to you about your actual skill level, tell you how great it was, how beautiful the music was that you did. My because mommy said I'm the sing. best song singer. Now, because the ramification or the consequences of being bad at it are mostly on the listener. They're like, ah, my ears. <laughs> but now you look at or a guitar teacher who has been instructed by his – certifying agency to shake the hand and tell them how great they are and tell them okay well, but you got this one place you need improvement and give them a card that says you're a guitar player now go for it baby
0: go do some live gigs
1: right and if the ramifications You're going to learn a, you're <laughs> going to learn a lot of
0: that first live gig I tell you
1: if the possible consequence of going out there and running into any problem is you know somebody you know throws a fucking spear at you or something on stage the, i mean death is a consequent a possible it, it consequence was it was
0: a beer bottle by yes, the way yes
1: exactly <laughs> i mean if the consequence were a possible f- fatality or a serious injury you, you kind of see the yeah for the sure. similarity in that and that's what we've got
0: during world war II, combat troops in the south pacific often reported that the jungle training they received in hawaii was tougher than the conditions they encountered in the actual combat situations. What this probably signified was that the overlearned behaviors established in the training situation developed a level of confidence and competence that prepared them for a difficult task. The training situation is a controlled one where behaviors can be developed under laboratory conditions to be used later in the real world. We could derive much from this in our own diver training
1: you fucking think i mean right there just says this this just spells out what happened to the scuba world okay because i mean this uh, i go back to my military training and they said we're gonna train you the best we can but the thing is our hands are tied because we we don't want to kill you in training reality is the task you're about to undertake has real-life consequences of you being dead. And we know this. We know this going in. So we're going to train you up to the edge. It's not going to be fun. You're going to be... Oh, but they yelled at me. Who the <laughs> Who the <laughs> fuck cares if somebody raises their voice to you? Are, you, are, are we going to be serious? You've got a real job. You've got to save lives. You've got to help people. And you've got to put yourself in danger to do so. Now... That's the military-type job, right? That's what I, I was – tactical medevac, rescue, firefighter stuff. Those are part – that's part of the job, and I get it, and, and that's how it should be. Scuba diving isn't quite at that level, but the, we have real-life fatal consequences for being a dumbass underwater.
0: Right, and if with your first experience – to anything even remotely close to that is a real life situation. You're gonna be. You're gonna be in, fucked. In a, yeah, yeah, You're gonna you, be fucked. Damn, Skippy, you're gonna be fucked. Like, skippy, like, you're any, be fucked. like if your <laughs> if your training, you know, builds you for the reality of of consequences, and it's anything less than that, mm-hmm. and you've overlearned and you've overtrained, think of how confident you're gonna be, how you're gonna handle and, this stupid shit, right.
1: It's stupid shit. I mean,
0: it's going to be like, "Oh, this is stupid shit. This is this is nothing compared to right. what I was doing in my
1: training. This right. is a piece of cake." And I know they the the mentality was we don't want the instructors to put students in real danger. Well, when the because instructors only got 100 it. dives. Thank yeah, you. But why instructor... did they Why did they loosen those re-
0: requirements, Jamesy? Well, it all comes full circle now, doesn't
1: it? It does because they wanted more instructors. Why did they want more instructors? You can't
0: have more divers without more instructors. You can't sell more equipment without more divers. Right. So, therefore, we need more instructors to teach more divers to sell more equipment.
1: And the only way we can get more instructors, instead of going, the way to get more instructors is attract talented, talented, re- well-abled instructors that are skilled, that have a lot of experience. So instead of doing that, because that takes time and we'd have to pay them adequately, let's just have the guy who's super passionate. Do you remember how passionate? Well, I'm still that passionate. I think I, I know you are.
0: I did it to get chicks.
1: Well, I, I didn't necessarily. do that. That's always part of it. It's a, If you take that pie chart, it's a good portion of it. <laughs> But but there is the that first breath you took underwater when you were yes, just like yes. oh my fucking god this is uh, this I want to do this forever and I want to share this with people. I mean you got to have more than that passion. That passion gets preyed upon by the agencies because the the new instructors they don't know any better. They think the agency knows they are they're smart. They would know a hundred dives. I've got a hundred dives. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm going to become an instructor and spread the gospel of scuba and I'm not really prepared nor am I going to be able to teach a well-rounded course to a new
0: diver. Another important advantage of sequence learning experiences and diver training is that the diver student who is programmed to develop increasingly complex and varied skills is in a real sense competing with himself and his environment to achieve success. This is the only kind of competition that is acceptable in diving. The diver who is supremely proud that he uses less air, dives deeper, stays down longer than his cohorts, is a potential hazard to himself and his diving companions. During diving, there is also the matter of being afraid of looking foolish. This response can often be greater than the fear of injury in students, as well as trained divers with status involvements. Fear of looking bad in front of other students, instructors, girlfriends or boyfriends. Spectators on the beach, etc., can become sufficiently important to cause an individual to override his caution and take a chance, hoping that things will be okay. Too often, this type of behavior ends in a crisis requiring assistance. Divers cannot afford the luxury of this kind of self deceit. They must know their limitations and not exceed them. To gradually increase your own skills is healthier. More rewarding and a good deal safer. The confident, controlled diver is a conservative diver.
1: Yeah, especially in the you know first several years of diving, you you dive very conservatively. You you need to get your uh, your sea fins, if you will. You need to <laughs> you need to become very comfortable underwater, and you need to have gone through several uh, mishaps. Things have to go wrong for you to. And you need to handle them in order to gain the confidence of moving forward into more complex environments, deeper dives,
0: more equipment, etc. Right. If you haven't had a, a, a situation that spooked you slightly, you're probably not ready to be teaching. <laughs> right? a, a situation that you know took you back and, and you had to work through and rely on your experience to get you through. Right. That's something that needs to be learned over time so that you can impart that to other people. That's why we, you know, we make the claim all the time that you need more than that 100, 100 dives. You need more than one environment. You need mm-hmm. something bigger to draw from if you're going to teach new divers. New divers, right.
1: And, and much less, let's not forget that they can teach dive masters too.
0: Okay. immediately right out of the gate. Your first student can be a diving professional for fuck's sake. (laughs) A final thought about training and its relation to confidence, Brando. One of the problems of the novice diver is that he is not sufficiently trained to engage in underwater activities and thereby concentrate on the transportation, equipment, social aspect of diving. As he learns to go underwater successfully and begins to recognize that the strange gear he is carrying will actually work and give him sufficient air, he needs something to do to occupy his hands and his attention, which will enable him to be productive and enjoy the dive. Insufficient emphasis, we believe, is placed on underwater activities such as underwater archaeology, marine biology shell collecting underwater photography all of which would enhance the enjoyment of the dive and divert the beginning divers attention from overly concentrating on equipment listening to the harmonics of a regulator is not nearly as exotic as finding an interesting shell Productive underwater activity should be incompatible with the apprehension about being in the water and ought to be incorporated effectively into training programs to help control panic.
1: What happened to this guy who who wrote this? Did the industry send
0: out a hitman after him or something? Uh, I mean... I mean, so, I mean, this is interesting point of what he's saying is to become a competent diver, you need more time of just being in the water of... Of, so that you have an acute level of hearing and understanding of awareness. Wait, whoa, my my yeah. regulator doesn't sounds sound right. different. Yeah. Yeah. Something sounds different, yeah. right? But when you're immediately, you know, thrown into water and then thrown into deeper water, and you're immediately into here's a video camera, here's a camera, here's a this, here's a that. Yeah. Go, right? You don't. There's so much sensory input coming at you. You don't have the the ability to notice that. I've been working a little bit harder Uh carrying this camera. And well, I usually get a whole hour out of my tank. How could I be out of air? I must have got a bad fill.
1: Yeah. And I think you're just barely touching this subject or this idea. I look at it also, you know, we go back to the old car thing. You know, my kids just learning to drive a car. And I get in the car and uh, I'm like, you hear that? Can you hear that? And they're like, what the? Dad, you're a goddamn nut job. I don't hear any. I hear the car going. And I'm like, you can't hear that rubbing or you can't hear the you know the, the right the the uh passenger side rear disc is uh, it's rubbing i can i can hear the fucking disc brake rubbing okay what right. what's wrong with you you know and i get it i've i've got 40 plus years of goddamn driving under my belt and but i'm i'm acutely aware i bring scuba into my entire walking personal life all the time i know and that's why our families hate they us. they hate us <laughs> they because i'll just go off on a goddamn <laughs> tangent about what if that was your fin strap you're not even paying attention <laughs> or economy of motion you know we have this right, this right. and this in the cupboard you shouldn't have it like this because i gotta go back in the back of the cupboard to get the most useful you know it's just silly stuff but you can bring it Bring all that stuff from scuba diving into your real world and it enhances your scuba experience because you're doing it all the time. You're constantly being aware of your environment, your equipment, and your team. You're constantly watching that stuff. And if you have no experience to draw from, because you have got your handshake and your card, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to move forward because you're not comfortable underwater. All everything you're talking about, that awareness level of minor acoustic changes in, in the breathing of, of your regulator or your equipment, those minor little subtle changes. If you are not situationally aware and you lack the experience to have noticed these things in the past and experience the consequences of letting that shit go, meaning being in fucking la la land in your head and you, you, you have the consequence. You live through it. Thank God. And then you can reflect and go, I did hear a, a small change in my breathing or my regulator. And it resulted in, you know, a malfunction here or a free flow or whatever happened. You know,
0: you need right that. Or, or something like where you, you hear bubbles. Behind your head. But, yeah. but you don't. Pay attention. Uh Oh, something's bubbling. (laughs) It's probably the bubble fairies. Uh, Then you look at your gauge like, whoa, I'm almost out of gas. Uh, Almost ran out of air. Holy cow, we better go up.
1: The bubble fairies Uh, are using uh, my gas.
0: Right, but, but but being able to correlate that sound... With that needle not being where it's supposed to, the experienced diver is going to realize that sound has consequences. What's that costing me? We can't keep pushing further and further into this dive. We have to be thinking the return home much sooner than planned.
1: Yeah, and that's just one example. I mean, there's an infinite amount of things that can go wrong, really. I think there's an infinite. Maybe there is a finite amount, but the finite number is huge.
0: I I think there's only so many possible things, but I think there's an infinite way that you can combo (laughs) them up. Infinite environments
1: and infinite teammates and infinite qualities or characteristics of you on that day. Yeah, I mean, so, there's
0: only 12 notes you can play in music, but, but music is infinite right, in what you can and construct. And I think, I think you know, problems underwater are, are the same way. I mean, there's only so many places things can leak, but how that leak develops and what it results in and when it happens could be infinite.
1: And now you go to you know our teaching methodology, which is I can't teach you, I cannot put you through every scenario. I do, we don't have enough time. And, and it's, again, almost infinite. So I have to teach you uh, an ability to to handle problems when they come up to you or at you unexpectedly, like they will.
0: Right, which is teaching you an underwater philosophical base of how to approach the dive. How to approach a dive, which is, you know,
1: Murphy's on my dive all the time. Something's going to go wrong and it's going to happen at the worst possible moment. How, you know. How am I equipped to handle it? What do I have with me? What do I have to do to remedy the situation and prioritize the issues, especially as the dives become more complex? When you start getting into the deeper dives, when you start carrying a big a BAC, a big-ass camera with you, and, you know, extra bottles, and, which means everybody's like, oh, extra bottles means extra, extra gas. No, extra bottles mean extra regulators, extra equipment, and extra failure points.
0: That's what it means. Absolutely. And I, th- I would say it's almost exponential. It's not just one oh, more yeah. model. <laughs> Each yeah. one is exponentially more possible. Problem. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, d- I reflect back on our, our little dives there at Isle Royal, The number of potential gear fuck-ups goes up to fucking skyrockets from our normal, okay, let's go d- jump in a, you know, and ex- examine this wreck here in Lake Huron at 100 feet. No, let's go check out this wreck with a camera down at 250 feet. Whoa, wait a minute. Now the equipment and the complexity has gone through the roof. Yes, yeah.
0: it's, not, it's not a linear climb. hmm exactly. Well, Brando, um, we are going to put this article on hold for the people because uh, we're just getting into the juicy stuff. You know, we're talking a little bit about the training up to now, but, but we're going to move, and, and this was written by... Um, a Glenn Ekstrom, who a at Glenn the time.
1: Eggstrom? Not the Glenn Ekstrom? Oh, it's one of the Glenn Ekstroms. By the. <laughs>
0: a Glenn Ekstrom. He was an associate professor, diving safety officer out at UCLA. And we might as well tell the people, this wasn't an article that Brandon and James you know, wrote you know a week ago. No, this is 1971.
1: Bitches. 1971. So, they're
0: saying, so old uh, Glenn Ekstrom,
1: he uh, he was probably wearing his bell-bottomed wetsuit when he when he uh, was diving, right? He had some platform fins. Fin- <laughs> Those really didn't didn't find, catch hold, but they were still there. Yes, back in that early 70s, he he didn't catch the Bee Gees underwater, but he was about to.
0: <laughs> well, Bradle. I got to tell you something. You know, th- this weekend, I-, I won't be diving this weekend because I'm going to be up at my little brother's baby shower. Nice. Well,
1: congratulations to your brother, to Zach.
0: Shout out to Zach and Marissa bringing in a bouncing bundle of joy. But, you know, I will also have my bouncing bundle of joy that I'll be bringing up there, too. A not of a baby, Brando. A, a not bottle not. of bourbon. i'm talking about i'll be bringing my baby makers with me everywhere i go
1: yes your baby makers
0: (laughs) that's right our show today once again people is sponsored by manscaped and just like my little brother's bouncing bundle of joy that's coming pretty soon my delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that not only are skin safe but are also made with safe ingredients That's where good old Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in, everybody. From razors to shower care, this package goes above and beyond the gold standard for body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at Manscaped.com and use our code TGDP for 20% off and free shipping.
1: Tell them old JMZ and Brando sent you.
0: You want to get uh, your relative something for the, the old baby shower, they don't need another box of diapers. Fuck no. They don't need another stupid stroller. Baby food? Bah! Who needs bah. it? My
1: kid will eat steak and be happy.
0: They need some anti-chafing boxes. <laughs> That's exactly what they need. They need a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. That's what they need. Stay looking good so maybe they can have a second little bouncing bundle of joy, Brando. Well, hell yeah.
1: You know what they really need? And I think, you know, Zach's going to need this as he progresses forward. Because as you and I both know. He's getting older. I know it's coming. Well, and now what he's just introduced into his life is called the rapid aging machine. Okay? One of these rapid, well, just one of these rapid aging machines can take down a grown-ass man. In literally a, a handsome, a handsome with, a, with a, cloth, a cloth like George Clooney, man, it could take him down, wear him down to nothing and just deplete him of the will to live at times. But it makes him stronger because he continues to move forward and it ends up paying off. But what he's really going to need is because those hairs start coming out of fucking you lose them from your head and they seem to be being pulled out your goddamn nose and ears. And that's an ugly look. It's a bad look, my friends. So the old Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, essential for the new father-to-be.
0: Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP, Zach, and rest of the listeners of Great Time Podcast over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code TGDP. Use the platinum package, everybody, because the gold standard is no longer good enough. Whoa. Brando, we're not signing logbooks. We're we're no. not done with this article. So, people, come back to us next week. We're going to finish talking about this situation of diver panic and what some people have been trying to tell us for fifty plus years.
1: And who's listening? Well, James and Brando are listening, but we need some we need some mainstream bigwigs who are up there in their fucking penthouse goddamn offices writing standards and changes to standards like every other goddamn day. Here comes a fucking change. Remember when you used to have to fucking go into your manual and X out oh, a word and right. replace it with this word? And it was like yes. every other week. And I'm going, are you guys, are we, who's doing this is my thing.
0: Somebody embolized because they lost a <laughs> fin and <laughs> dropped all their weight and inflated their BC, shot to the surface. Right. Everybody needs to wear two fin straps. <laughs> <laughs> change right. up is so everybody needs to.
1: They, they had Flipper in the manual. We had to change them all to fence, which I agree. I agree, but we didn't have to, you know. Anyway.
0: All right, everybody. We will wrap things up about Diver Panic next week. Damn skippy. What <laughs>